The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. Micron Technology is predicting a steeper loss than anticipated in the current quarter. It's an indication that an industry slump is still weighing on the largest U.S. maker of memory chips. The company predicted a fiscal first quarter loss of as much as $1.14 a share, excluding some items. And that was much worse than analyst predictions of a $0.96 loss. Here's CFRA analyst Angelo Zeno. This is a company that's seen its revenues decline north of 50% peak to trough, right? I mean, this is probably the ugliest uh, downturn we've seen on the memory side of things since the financial crisis. So um, it's been, you know, it's been a long time coming here over the last couple of quarters. And that is Angela Zeno. On a positive note for Micron, revenue is expected to start recovering in the period. Micron expects sales of 4.2 to $4.6 billion, compared with an estimate of $4.21 billion. Micron's stock was up during the regular session, about four-tenths of 1%. And just trading here in after hours... Uh, with a loss of about 4%. And Doug, I'll have a little bit more on the China angle on this uh, in a moment. Let's move on to the hedge fund Citadel. The firm is preparing to push back against a probe by the Securities and Exchange Commission over the use of WhatsApp. Sources telling us that Citadel has told industry peers it's planning to battle the SEC if the regulator moves against Citadel. Here's Bloomberg Shanali Basik. Back in January, the Managed Funds Association had said that the rules for the private funds industry are different than that of the banks. Now, there's no sense that the SEC will necessarily bring a case forward, but as we've been reporting here, we know that they've really expanded the probe here and the, the idea of looking at more private funds, hedge funds, private equity firms, Apollo, Blackstone, all facing these same questions when it comes to communication from employees and how the SEC looks at it. That is Bloomberg Shanali Basik. Now, so far, the bank have paid more than $2.5 billion to settle probes by U.S. regulators into employees' use of unofficial messaging platforms for business. Now, Citadel would be the first to fight the SEC over any allegations of untracked communications. Brian? Well, the Federal Trade Commission is reviving its challenge against Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. That story from Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. The FTC plans to move forward with its in-house trial against the $69 billion deal after pausing it over the summer. A U.S. appeals court in July denied the agency's bid to stop the merger. The FTC typically drops antitrust challenges when they lose in federal court, but the commission says public interest warrants a trial to resolve the matter. Microsoft and Activision Blizzard are expected to finalize the largest ever video gaming deal this year, but the FTC challenge will continue even after the companies complete their merger. Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Radio. Well, the Justice Department is ramping up a probe into UBS. The DOJ alleges the Swiss bank and its one-time rival Credit Suisse failed to comply with regulations 
allowing Russians to evade sanctions. Here is Hugo Miller from Bloomberg's offices in Geneva. We should stress that this is not in any sense, uh, from what we understand, the DOJ suspecting that the bank has actively sought to have people uh, avoid sanctions. Uh, you know, when you onboard, to use the bank jargon, a client, uh, or when you offboard a client, uh, you, you have to make sure that you're doing the necessary compliance. In this case, what the DOJ suspects is that there were just some fundamental failures of due diligence. That is Bloomberg's Hugo Miller reporting from Geneva. Now, if you look at U.S. traded shares of UBS today, they were down nearly 4%, Brian. Meantime, U.S. and Japanese officials are warning that China-backed hackers have been modifying software to target companies based in their countries. The story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. According to the advisory from American and Japanese law enforcement and cybersecurity officials, the group known as Black Tech has targeted government, industrial, technology, telecommunications, and defense sectors. The advisory says once inside the internal networks of international subsidiaries, the group has disabled logging in order to pivot undetected to target the company's headquarters in the U.S. and Japan. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. Doug, one of the big stories that broke yesterday that we will follow up on today is the house arrest of the Evergrande chair, Hui Kayan. He's under what's called residential surveillance. That means that he can't move around freely. He can't even talk to anybody, meet with anybody or talk to anybody without approval. Now, this is interesting because we all know what Evergrande has been going through. But this guy, Mr. Hui, had been considered one of the best connected businessmen in all of China. And uh, so it's a major development. It puts the restructuring of the developer back in question. And it also brings liquidation more into the picture. I mean, it's not it's not apparent that that could happen soon, uh, but it is coming up in a, in a court uh, in Hong Kong, October 30th. The share is down 19 percent. And by the way, down 99 percent from four years ago. That's amazing. You know, when you look at some of the risk over here in the States, Brian, obviously we have to consider the potential for a government shutdown. It risks up to 1.9 billion a day in lost or delayed revenue. And I think we also have to add to the list the auto workers strike now in its 13th day. We know now that the union is planning to expand the strike on Friday if there isn't major progress. It's kind of interesting because today, Neil Kashkari, the head of the uh, Minneapolis Fed, was telling CNN, if these downside scenarios were to hit the American economy, the Fed might have to do less, to do less with monetary policy in order to get inflation back down to 2%. Yeah, it's it's really hard to discount all of these uh, possible developments. Uh, you know, so we're talking about the Fed going down. Just the other day, we were worried about Jamie Dimon's 7% on the Fed funds rate. A uh, couple of other quick notes. I mentioned that I would rope in China's angle uh, on Micron. Uh, you know, back in May, China said that Micron's products were a national security risk. And that meant that any sales in China were in question. What's interesting about the report today from Micron is that although profit is still struggling, they are pretty upbeat now about a pickup in revenue coming. So that might mean that Micron is is navigating the China restrictions. Uh, I don't know if I'd say well, but at least um, uh, okay. And one other quick note, I think it's important to to note this, that China-Europe relations did not blow up over this, over these U.S. or, or EU subsidies on EVs. There were plenty that were worried about a new trade war that could even rival what we saw from former President Trump 
and the U.S. and China, but that didn't develop. And in fact, European officials, after their trade minister's trip, found the government in China to be willing to talk and willing to make some new promises. Now it's time for global news. As the deadline for a government shutdown looms, there are more and more people coming out saying it looks inevitable. Ed Baxter is covering the story with other global news from San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian. Uh, the man in the crosshairs of the shutdown, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, is not one of those who feels it's inevitable. He says he feels a continuing resolution can be passed by the end of the week. Why don't you sit down in a meeting? Why don't you serious about making sure government doesn't shut down? The first thing I would do... I would sit down with us. I'm, I want to sit down with the president to secure that border. So, listen, that now seems to be the sticking point today. The border, he blames President Joe Biden, of course. He should finish where the wall is at. He should have remained in Mexico. He's got the Title 42 as well to be able to secure the border and stop moving everybody across illegally. So the message has shifted again. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer delivered a message aimed directly at McCarthy. Speaker McCarthy, the only way, the only way out of a shutdown is bipartisanship and by constantly adhering to what the hard right wants, you're aiming for a shutdown. They want it. You know it. You can stop it. Senator Lindsey Graham, meanwhile, says the Senate's CR does buy some time. The CR that gets us to November will probably be a smaller version of what we need. Uh, in November, whatever the time period, we're going to need some funding and some policy changes for the border. And that will give us about six weeks to work out a package. Yeah, so again, the border now. Meanwhile, if you're looking for the direction of what the Republicans actually want, you're not alone. It was about spending. Then it was about Ukraine. And today, the border. Bloomberg's Julie Fine says it just keeps moving. Well, I mean, at this point, you can't get anything through a goalpost if the goalpost keeps on moving. I think right now everybody Hmm. is trying to prove their point. But to what avail? And that leads to the Republican debate tonight. Bloomberg's Ryan Beckwith, also on Balance of Power, says shutdown will be a major topic. Nikki Haley has already come out on Bloomberg television and said that it would be irresponsible and a bad idea uh, and would hurt taxpayers. But she also said that they need to rein in spending however they can, which kind of undercut that message a little bit. Um, But we saw DeSantis sort of cheerleading for it, calling up some members of Congress on the House Republican side uh, and urging them to stay the course. And Donald Trump holds a rally in Michigan about the same time. U.S. soldier Travis King, who entered North Korea without permission in July, is now back in U.S. custody. He went through uh, China and then South Korea and now on a plane headed back to the U.S. And uh, let's see here. The giant pandas uh, that have been in the Atlanta, San Diego, Washington, D.C., Memphis zoos, they are on their way by December back to China. A three-year agreement has been reached, and uh, apparently China wants them back. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. 
and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong. Our guest is Jay Hatfield, CIO at Infrastructure Capital Management. Jay, one of the top points in your notes is that you see the Eurozone heading into a significant recession. Uh, Will that be strong enough that it drags a lot of other trading partners down as well? That's our view. If you really look at the data, and the terminal is a great place to monitor this, particularly if you're in the United States or not in Europe, uh, the data has been actually horrendous. Um, You know, both industrial production and retail sales dropping at double-digit rates. But it's not just Germany. France's PMIs are very weak. Italy had a big drop in retail sales. So we think since Germany is 30% of the Eurozone GDP, that not just it will drag the rest of Europe, but really this ultra-tight ECB policy. They shrank the monetary base by $500 billion in the last two months. Rates are, you know, the curve is dramatically inverted, and they don't have all the tailwinds that we have here in the United States, <clears throat> like a strong housing market, you yeah. know, government spending. So we're... We think that that's super negative for Europe, but probably good for the global bond markets. Yeah, maybe credit the 30-year fixed uh, mortgage as uh, one of those reasons, one of those feathers in the cap that the U.S. has. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, but the higher interest rates, the effect of that uh, is likely to be happening in the U.S. as well. It doesn't seem so tangible at the moment, but you must be figuring that the U.S. is also uh, in danger of slipping into recession. Well, we definitely think that it's going to slow the... Um, you know, the landed GDP, which is the real-time GDP tracker, is kind of at a ridiculous 4.8%. Our forecast is the U.S. economy slows to 1% to 2%, but does not go into recession like Europe. And we have three or four big advantages over Europe. Our natural gas prices are 80% below Europe and the rest of the world, which also translates into electricity because that natural gas prices electricity at the margin. Uh, you know, I mentioned we have these four spending bills that are all, for the first time probably ever, counter-cyclical because they're focused on investment. Um, and then we have a shortage of of housing and autos. So all these factors, you know, really don't exist in Europe. And so we think we'll stay out of recession, but they actually, we're calling for a major recession. I think a lot of people think Germany, well, Germany's already in a minor recession, but that Germany's really the weakest link. I'm curious about the spike in energy prices uh, and and what you see as the cause. A lot of people talk about supply, but if demand is also part of the uh, equation, then that would seem to be suggesting some support, that there's some residual growth there that doesn't go away. Well, what I think a lot of people don't appreciate about the demand side, uh, you've been talking about 
China a lot and slowing in China. Demand is very sticky, particularly in China. So even if their growth is 3% versus 6, they still have steady growth in demand. And that's true for most of the world. And by the way, Europe is not a major consumer of oil. They have very high gasoline prices because of taxes. <clears throat> so on the demand side, it just grows slowly. But for the first time ever, we actually have slow growth in supply. We call it OPEC plus plus. So not just Russia and the normal OPEC, but also U.S. production is growing very slowly, mostly because of the capital markets, a little bit because of ESG and the current administration. So um, particularly with OPEC constraining production, we're pretty bullish on oil prices. Think that the range next year is going to be 85 to 105. Uh, Having said that, we don't think it's going to be a super spike, but it is negative for inflation. And the Fed tends to underestimate the bleed through uh, from headline to core. So we we're you know, bearish about a lot of near term inflation indicators like PCE, because you do get immediate bleed through, which the Fed doesn't seem to appreciate. So how much risk are you willing to take on now in portfolios? Well, right this moment in time, we're trying to take on as little risk as we can. I and mean, we do run long-term ETFs that you know aren't hedge funds, but we do have a hedge fund. We don't have any risk on in that hedge fund. But having said that, <clears throat> if we're correct that Europe is going to go into a significant recession and rates stop going up every day like they are now, so find a bottom on, um, on the prices and a top near 450, then we are very bullish about the fourth quarter. But the, the real thing to track, it's not really seasonality. What it is is news flow. And there's no news flow until we have earnings season that's likely to be positive. You just give macro news and, and open market, open mouth operations from the Fed, which all tend to be negative. So random news tends to be negative. Uh, earnings news when the U.S. economy is strong is almost always bullish. So we would wait to add risk till like mid-October. Yeah, I've, I was hearing a lot of analyst uh, calls in the past uh, 48 hours uh, that in this in this little recent mini correction that we've had, uh, it hasn't really hit tech too hard, maybe 8 to 10 percent or so. And some are saying that you won't really get a clearing until that happens. Uh, could you see a major correction around the corner? And if so, do you think that uh, high high quality tech will get targeted or no? <laughs> well, what a lot of people don't appreciate is they always say, oh, well, tech is a long duration asset, so it's interest rate sensitive. But if you really, you know, we're bond investors. So if you actually calculate duration, it's almost the same for all companies that are publicly traded. <laughs> so it's not really interest rates. But having said that, interest rates affect the whole market. And when the whole market goes down, the high beta stocks go down the most. You know, like NVIDIA is a two beta stock. Most of the big cap, uh, tech stocks are two beta. So if the market keeps going down, uh, tech will get smashed the most. We're pretty, we actually think that trading so far, we've been cautious, uh, publicly cautious about the fall period, which isn't that insightful, but it, it's coming true. We actually think the trading so far has been pretty orderly, given how much the tenure is sold off. So we actually would say it's bullish and you got this strange bounce today, even though everything seemed terrible. Yeah. And the news flow is probably not going to be that good. So um, we remain constructed, but just with the only caveat is we have to also be right about the bond market, not 
uh, you know, sort of doing a Jamie Dimon going yep. to infinity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we referenced that a few moments ago. Okay, final question. Uh, I want to switch to China. You mentioned that we talk about China a lot, so I, I would hope that you're a dedicated listener. Uh, we, we note that China-EU relations didn't take a dip, even though there was some there were some sharp comments leading up to this trip by Valdis Dombrovskis, uh, the four-day trip. But European officials seem to back away from some of the um, uh, really sharp language. Uh, should we take that as a good sign about policy? I think so. I mean, Europe is, and particularly Germany, which we already discussed, is far more dependent on net exports and China being the leader there. So they would really be shooting themselves in the foot. And they'll probably let the, the U.S. take the lead on China bashing and be in more self-preservation mode. So we we would take that as, as a constructive step and just recognize that um, Europe has the luxury of letting the United States take the lead on, on being the tough guy. Well, even China has welcomed in four top uh, U.S. officials here over the past uh, month, month and a half or so. So it even seems like on that front uh, that there is a little bit of, uh, of an interest in reaching out for a stability. So we'll hope that uh, that happens. Jay, thanks for joining us. Jay Hatfield, CIO at Infrastructure Capital Management. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.